as Christians, what is our role in a secular world? Or put it differently, as we are out there and we are engaged in our civic duties, and we are interacting with people in culture, in politics, what does it mean to be a prophetic Christian? What is the role of a prophetic church in a secular world? This morning in our first reading, we have two competing models on what we should do as Christians as we engage with politics, as we engage with culture. The first model is the Amaziah model. And the second model is the Amos model. So let's look at these two models and then decide for us what is the route to go. The first is Amaziah. And I personally want to give Amaziah the benefit of the doubt that Amaziah may have started out as an honest priest, an honest prophet, who truly wanted to proclaim the mind of God. So what happened to Amaziah? What went wrong? It is very likely that at some point in his ministry, Amaziah became a culture warrior, rooting for Jeroboam, wanting Jeroboam to become king. And eventually, he got what he wanted. But the problem is that sooner or later, Amaziah's ministry becomes an extension of the state. Sooner or later, Amaziah's prophetic ministry became an icing on the cake of the political agenda of Jeroboam. And soon, Amaziah lost his voice of conscience. The problem with the Amaziah model is that we, as Christians, if we implement the Amaziah model, we're going to have a lot of problems. For instance, we might begin to create what some people call market-driven Christianity. And so when I want to preach the gospel this morning, I gauge your faces. How many people are going to shake my hands after Mass? Oh, I don't want to offend anybody. I just want to make everybody feel happy. Yay! Okay. That might be the risk of the Amaziah model. You have to gauge what you say. Douse the truth. Sometimes be silent. That is the risk of the Amaziah model, the market-driven Christianity. Tune to the television. Sometimes you wonder, you can't even distinguish the Christian gospel and some kind of motivational speeches. So we don't really want to go the route of Amaziah when religion becomes an icing on the cake of politics. Let's look at the other model, the Amos model. You know, Amaziah and Amos in the first reading were now coming to a head-on collision. And so Amaziah goes to Amos and says, listen to me now, okay? Now you listen. Please don't rock the boat for us, he tells Amos. We have the ears of the king. 
Now we can say that the king prays at least three times. Now the king reads the scriptures. Please don't rock the boat for us. You can go elsewhere and preach the truth of what you have, but not around us here, around the king. And Amos says to Amaziah, listen, I didn't attend a seminary. I don't have a PhD in theological studies. I don't even belong to an organized band of prophets. I am just a farmer doing my job, and suddenly the word of God came to me and said, Amos, I anoint you with truth. Go out there and preach the truth. And that's the route we want to go. The Amos model is a model that transcends all the labels and categories. It's not about an I or a D or an R. What is the truth? And preach the truth and lead your lives by the truth of the gospel. That is the Amos model. And that is our vocation as Christians and as Catholics. Fortunately, in the gospel, our Lord now fleshes out the Amos model for us so beautifully. So what I want to do now is to conclude by highlighting some important things from the gospel that actually extends the Amos model as our paradigm for interacting with society. First, I love the fact that Jesus uses the motif of pilgrimage, journey. He sends them out two by two on a journey. Our Christian life is a pilgrimage. Your life and my life as Christians, we are on a journey. And Jesus wants you to travel light. He wants me to travel light. You know, sometimes when I travel, I pack a lot of things. Extra pair of sandals, extra pair of shoes, extra this, extra that. And by the time I get there, I don't use up to 50% of all the things I packed. And I said to myself, duh. But I do the same thing over and over and over. And so it seems there is something about us human beings that we're prone to attachment. Sentimental attachment. Cultural attachment. Social attachment, political attachment. And Jesus says, stop. Break free of all of those. Be free. Travel light. Don't get yourself bogged down by sacks of acrimony, of divisiveness, of partisanship. Be free. And let the gospel be your purpose. And, for, and so for Jesus, it's really about singularity of purpose single-mindedness on the truth of the gospel, leading our lives, pulpit and pew, leading our lives by the truth of the gospel. And finally, in the gospel, Jesus reminds us that our mission as Christians ought to be gospel-driven. I often say this to people, and they're like, what are you talking about? The essence of Christianity is not to create a culture. 
The essence of Christianity is not even to recreate a culture. The essence of Christianity is to preach the gospel, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the essence. And that's what we're called to. And so our mission, your mission, your Christian life is gospel-driven. It's not market-driven. It's not poll-driven. It's not even party-driven. It's gospel-driven. And what is this gospel? That Jesus is Lord, and every knee must bow, and every tongue must confess that Jesus is Lord. Let us now bow our heads and pray. We are pilgrims on a journey. We are brothers on the road. We are here to help each other walk the mile and bear 